This is the Shine On You Crazy Daisy podcast, and I'm your host, Trudy Simmons from the Daisy Chain Group, providing platforms and opportunities for business women to be seen and heard. This platform is for the women entrepreneurs that want to hear the real stories of what it takes to be yourself and run a business with all the different hats that you might have to wear. Come and join the Shine On You Crazy Daisy membership, offering online networking, co-working, collaboration, and monthly masterclasses for you to grow your knowledge. Go to thedaisychaingroup.com for more information. These are the platforms to hear and share the stories of the tenacious, the rebellious, and the resilient women that are working towards the future that they build for themselves and their families. Hello and welcome to the Shine On You Crazy Daisy podcast and today I am thrilled and excited to introduce you to Victoria Schofield from The Cup and Saucer. Victoria, tell us about your business. Um, well, The Cup and Saucer is more or less what it does what it says on the tin. It is an afternoon tea delivery service. Um, no premises, so you put the order in, you, you say what you would like obviously, so it's cake, jam, buns, cream, and then all lovely dainty sandwiches. They are all put onto um, the kind of the Victorian tea stands, as you would imagine, the three layers. Mm-hmm. And then I drive it to your house with all of the crockery or the linen or to whichever house it needs to be delivered to. You eat it, you apply it to your face, and then I go back the next day and pick it all up. No washing up involved either. Really? So, and, and, and no, no washing up. It's all part of the service. You just put it, you just put it all back into the hamper that all of the crockery comes in and I, I take it away and that's it. It's literally that simple. What <laughs> a brilliant concept and especially with um, lockdown and um, being able to give the gift to someone of having yeah. something like that delivered is just, and the fact that you picked it up and ran with it is amazing. But you were in book two. Yes. And so you offered to do a chapter for this volume four of Shining Your Crazy Daisy and came up with a different concept. So what made you think to do a Q&A and who asked you the questions? The idea of the Q&A um, was simply I thought, well, I've already told my story in volume two, which I thoroughly enjoyed doing. But I thought, well, I can't bore people with that again because it, nothing that significantly has changed in the last four months, you know. And so I thought, well, what would I like to be? What would make me interested? And so suddenly, it, 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 I don't know how it came to me, but it, it just did. Mm. Um, and then the more I thought about it, the more I thought, well, actually, it's, it's, it's probably a good thing for me to do because when you work on your own, as opposed to if you're working in the corporate sector or even the public sector, you get appraisals each year, don't you? Or half, mm. half year reviews or something. And then you are given goals and you're asked to assess what you think you've achieved, haven't achieved, or where you can improve. So for me, this was kind of a, a tool to see what I had achieved, which I think is important because you have to keep not challenging yourself, but I think you have to keep abreast of what you're doing and where you are. And so the people that I asked to do it, because I thought I could write my own questions, and I thought, well, that's the that's pointless. You know, you know, I can just talk to myself in the shadows, I can never get me nowhere. So I, I asked um, a variety of people. My, my husband came up with a couple to get me going. Mm. And then I asked a group of friends um, who we meet at probably once a year, but they come from very different backgrounds, professionally different backgrounds, age different backgrounds. And then I asked another couple of friends, one who knows me very well, one who I've become friendly with but doesn't know me. 
And so I wanted them to, I just said, ask me a question you'd like to know. And I also asked a couple of my girlfriends who have teenage daughters, because I thought getting that input about if you were going to go out into the world, what would you want to know about it? And, and so I've, that, that was it. That was the criteria, just a disparate group. Um, and then picked what I could out of it that I thought would be the most useful. I just thought it was so interesting because reading the questions is one thing. But when we have to answer those questions mm. from a place of, oh, this is being asked of me, like that appraisal um, feeling that you get in the middle and the end of the year, answering those questions from a place of, oh, this is my business that I'm answering on behalf of as much as myself absolutely does make you think differently and maybe bigger than you would have done before Um, and it opens up the possibilities because you're answering the question so I thought it was brilliant well thank you (laughs) it'll be it'll be you know it might work it might not we'll see (laughs) what was your favorite question and why was it your favorite my favorite question was what was your biggest fear Hmm. which sounds odd because you'd have thought that would have been the oh my god moment but it was the favorite question for the simple reason that I was able to be honest I mean I'm I'm sorry that that's wrong I was honest with all of the other answers but honest in the fact that I'd never actually identified that before Mm. that my biggest fear was failure I had never put that out there before and when I sat down to write the answer I thought the answer was going to be criticism of me by others. I, th- I honestly thought that was going to be the answer. And I sat down and suddenly I wrote failure. And I know that sounds a bit, you know, maybe loopy loop, I don't know, but I actually typed failure mm. and that was not gonna be my answer to it. And then as soon as I put that out there and put it onto my screen, I thought, actually, yes, that is the biggest fear. So it's my favorite question because it was the best answer because it was all, almost cathartic to be able to acknowledge that yes, I am crippled by it in days, and other people might be. But if you're going to, an- if I was going to answer it honestly, that clearly was the honest answer, and it, it made me feel better the minute I've done it. To be honest, just to say yeah. You, you are a brilliant writer and reading the response to that question and the way that you have these interactions with your husband and he, <laughs> it was so funny to read but it was so heartfelt and vulnerable at the same time I really felt for you and him to be honest <laughs> to be honest feel more for him feel he's very long suffering <laughs> um what my favorite question was about uh, did you miss being a litigation lawyer because it's just such a jump from being a litigation lawyer and being in the big city and being around um, uh, that level of intelligence to running your own business, which is very different by yourself, um, uh, delivering afternoon teas that have such a heartfelt uh, feeling behind them. And just the the fact that that you needed to answer that, I think for anybody that comes from corporate and has to reflect on why they're doing what they're doing, it makes sense for what you're doing now. Well, that was actually Mark's question, so Mr. Schofield's question, and obviously I had to mix and match them all in, as I said, but that was Mark's question, and I think that actually made it more poignant because maybe he was asking me the question as well, from a husband, a personal point of view, he's actually asking me to identify it, so that made it even, I don't know if poignant's the right word, but but it, it, it made it more more relevant I think because maybe he was he was asking me that and I would have given him the same answer had he asked me it anyway and the answer was honest I, I, I don't miss it but obviously it's different you know yeah. obviously I used to I used to throw lawsuits at people now I throw scones at them you know so, <laughs> <laughs> so it's 
slightly bit different. And I used to wear a suit and I was covered in flour most of the time. But um, it's different. Of course, it's different. But it, it doesn't mean it's any less exciting or terrifying or or something to to be less proud of. I think it, yeah. to a certain extent, something to be more proud of because it's me doing it for me. Well, and uh, one of my other questions was what you've learned <clears throat> writing volume two and volume four. And yeah. the reason that I was wondering about that is because there's been four, four and a half months in between yeah. those two books. And that's a long time in a, in a business that's just starting out. So I did wonder whether you had seen and felt any differences over that time, apart from the fact that your dad has bought every copy of the book that's available <laughs> and knows every page number. <laughs> I was going to say, if you brush past him, we'll give you a copy with a bookmark at page 170. Well, if you meet him, we'll give you one and you're the, you're the publisher of it. <laughs> yeah, truly, have one of these. You'll like it. Brilliant. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think, again, I was thinking about this. I think it, what I have learned is to heed, heed my own advice. It's one thing writing it down and saying to people, this is what I've learned and this is what I think I should be doing. This is what I think you should be doing. But it's very easy to forget that you think this is what you should be doing and this is how you should be doing it. And, and I'm not telling anybody how to do it. I'm just saying this is what I've learned. So I keep kind of going back to it and thinking, what did what did you say? What did you say you, you, other people should be doing to, to cope with it? So in, so I've, I've learned that. I've learned to, to learn, to, sorry, to heed my own advice. Mm. I've also learned how to be a little bit proud because the the response to the book from people mm. was quite overwhelming not not just family and friends but but people who had read it mm. not only just within the the um the group that obviously we're in but people that I've never met before were were messaging me and saying oh I loved it wow. and I think I think I kind of, well, I don't think I'd even lost sight of it. I don't think I ever thought about the fact that I'd actually achieved something mm. and people were proud of what I've achieved. Because for me, it was just, I came up with the idea, I did it and I do it. And I never really stopped and took any breath about whether it was achievement or not. Because I don't see it as an achievement. I just see it as this is what I'm doing. Yeah. And so I, I think I've learned to have some pride in it as well. <laughs> Love <laughs> that. that we've got there eventually <laughs> um if there was one lesson that you've learned that you want every entrepreneur to know what would it be um, oh i'm so sorry that's that's gone off um hold i think everybody needs to learn how to hold on mm-hmm. and that's a phrase that I, I i think i've put well i know i've put into into the chapter that i've, I've just done for volume four and it's something that I hear myself saying to people if they're going through an emotional thing or, or even a, a business thing and ask them, hold on. Because if, if you give up, if you look back, it probably will just be a knee-jerk reaction mm. to an emotion or a circumstance or your reaction to a circumstance. Mm. I'm doing the hand jazz things again. I'm useless at that. Sorry, I'm still um, So hold, hold on. Learn how to hold on. Hold your nerve, you know, because... If you if you think oh right that's it and it's over and do my usual you know dramatic dying routine on the landing you know it, it's it's a waste of your energy so just hold on it will be okay if you've got the product that is a good product and you work hard for it to be a good product it might be a bad day it might be a bad week mm-hmm. it could even be a bad month 
but it will come back but you really do have to just cling on there for a bit and that that would be the lesson yeah I think that everybody at some stage needs to hear that and when we have those really bad days it is remembering somewhere in your brain that tomorrow's a new day and as exactly as that is sometimes it's so hard to remember those things and just have it written somewhere hold on yeah Um, yeah just don't know what tomorrow's going to bring and yeah that's brilliant thank you um i'm gonna have it put on (laughs) t-shirts oh i wouldn't do that i wouldn't write hold on across your chest just on the back i don't know it's it's another it's a viable option for another business maybe (laughs) oh my goodness um (laughs) i won't be invited back (laughs) um what's your favorite piece of business software well, it's a new one that uh, my accountant, um, Sophie Bowman, um, advised me for because I stack it up to her house with a great big plastic box. Of, and I swear it's probably had about 2,000 receipts in. And I know because I had to organise them all mm. into date order and all the rest of it. Because my accounts department, ha- up until that point, had literally just been that box. And Mark used to say, you put it out in the accounts department. I just tucked it in a bit down. But because I do daily shopping, I have to get fresh food, fresh bread or mm. ham or whatever. And so this is raging out of control. I saw blind, I'm never doing this again. So she uh, told me about this thing and it's DEXT, D-E-X-T. Mm-hmm. And literally you have the app on your phone and every receipt you have, you just take a picture of it and then you link it into your, your account. So you don't even have to keep the paper copy because it all goes up into what I believe is the cloud. I don't know why I'm doing that because people know where clouds are. But, um, and then it, it's there and it's recorded. And then you can give your accountant or whoever access to that account so they can then start reshuffling it into the way they need to be able to see it to account at the end of the year. And I just think that yeah. and you can do it immediately as opposed to you don't even have to get to the end of the day you can walk out of the shop and take a picture in the high street of it and then that's it it's done such a these putting these pieces of software in front of people can be the revolutionary thing that gives them the ability to have a better system dext d-e-x-t take photos you receipt and it goes straight to your accounting software boom victoria a pleasure as always Thank you so much for your brilliance. An audience with Victoria is the name of your chapter. Um, and I look forward to you being in the next five books. Well, lovely. I, well, if I'm ever allowed back, I promise I won't do the T-shirts. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much, Judy. Thank you. Take care. Thank you for listening. If you like what you've heard, please leave a review and come back for more inspiration. If you're a businesswoman looking for that community that will support you and lift you up, Come and join the Shine On You Crazy Daisy membership, offering online networking, co-working, collaboration and monthly masterclasses to grow your knowledge. Go to the daisychaingroup.com for more information. And for even more inspiration, please go to the link under this video and get your copy of the Shine On You Crazy Daisy series of books with inspirational and motivating stories from businesswomen around the world.